Hey, hey, I'm Frank, and this is Blatant Frankism, a podcast that introduces new perspectives and experiences into the community consciousness and dialogue by talking to people that represent various generations and walks of life. We, the community, are creating our own narrative. Our weekly conversations will reveal the truth about those interviewed, the issues they care about, and their views on the world. Who knows? One day it could be you, your issue, and your view. Now, as an educator, I can't do this without an objective in mind. So our objective? No. Our smart goal for this and every week is that by the end of today's show, we'll all learn something about ourselves and the world as we each see both and take an action step on a personal or collective level that reflects this learning. Storytelling is resistance, y'all. Let's get into it. Let's warm up. In our last episode, trauma was defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. To flesh it out a bit more this week, we'll turn to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration's Trauma and Justice Strategic Initiative, which states that trauma results from an event, series of events, or set of circumstances that is experienced as physically or emotionally harmful or threatening, and that has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. Trauma can affect people of every race, ethnicity, age, sexual orientation, gender, psychosocial background, and geographic region. A traumatic experience can be a single event, a series of events, and or a chronic condition such as childhood neglect or domestic violence. Traumas can affect individuals, families, groups, communities, specific cultures, and generations. It generally overwhelms an individual's or community's resources to cope, and it often ignites the fight, flight, or freeze reaction at the time of the events. It frequently produces a sense of fear, vulnerability, and helplessness. It can't be stressed enough that more often than not, the results of trauma are just as, if not more dangerous and devastating than the trauma itself. This is true for both individuals and communities. So who can traumatized individuals and communities turn to when help is needed? When trauma has forced their withdrawal from society? When all attempts at re-engagement lead to re-traumatization? Well, one such individual is our guest for this week's episode, Ayanna Ford. Here's a bit of her background. Ayanna Ford simplifies her life's work as an endeavor to expose the truth of the collectively oppressed. As a native Washingtonian, her wealth of experience, 10 plus years, in social justice, advocacy, community organizing, and art, expression, has been instrumental in raising awareness and changing regressive legislation on a local and federal level. Her trauma-informed leadership development and political education facilitation are helping us pave the way for leaderful youth in this city and across the nation. Ayana is also founding CEO of Stand Omni Media a diversified digital media brand with a mission to stand with and amplify the voices and cultures that are often silenced. Under this conglomerate, she hosts the One Mic Stand with Simply Nay and has published successfully single Confessions of a Professional Dater. Ayana has also contributed to such publications as Love Letters to Our Daughters, a collection of womanly affirmations, and Shout It Out, Coming Out Black and Brown. When she's not fighting for our collective liberation, She's sipping loose leaf tea and wearing a hashtag support is free t-shirt. Here's our interview with Ayana Ford. 
All right, good afternoon. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Certainly. First, I want to start by thanking you for having me. My name is Ayanna Simply Nate Ford. I'm an eighth-generation native Washingtonian. I serve as the executive director of the Future Foundation and the founding CEO of Span Now Media. All right. Um, so what was it that led you to form the Future Foundation? Um, I've been doing political strategy nationally and locally for over 10 years. And what I found is that the communities and the individuals most impacted by the legislation, direct actions, and, and just overall strategies that I was influencing weren't necessarily at the table. Um, I became very clear that the skills I gained through this work weren't always passed down to help build collective community power. And right around the time in which Barack Obama became uh, president, it began a shift in the conversation around the influence of youth and young adults in the political landscape. Um, I thought that was the perfect time to introduce the concept and see if there were other viable existing organizations mm-hmm. that wanted to support youth and family organizing particularly through a trauma-informed lens, and at that point, no one was checking for it. Right. Um, and so, lack of funding, lack of access, lack of opportunities, uh, we were able to partner with uh, the Boys and Girls Club over on Mississippi Avenue, and we were able to provide programs there through a partnership, and it just expanded both that word, um, they became interested, and we continued to offer with community was saying that it needed out fast forward. We now have a drop-in center that's open five days a week, along with a laundry center, full-service bathrooms, everything that's needed uh, to approach community needs through a trauma-informed lens and and really do social justice work while embracing a social-emotional approach to community law, you know? Right. So I guess what what is it um, you know in in your background that that's kind of behind the purpose and the passion in this work? I know you are a, a proud native Washingtonian. So what what is it in your background that kind of is fueling this fire for you? Um, I think that one thing that we like to leave with in social justice work is identity. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm black. Oh, I'm queer. Oh, like we love to push that identity. Oh, I'm immigrant. Oh, but what we never want to embrace and understand is we're all traumatized. Mm. And so, for me, when I learned to start looking at resilience, right, right. as what we've used, whether you can read or not, to being able to survive in a world where most can read is resilience, whether English is your first language or not, being able to survive in an English-dominated nation when it is not your first language. That's resilience. My interest became in what are the things we share in common mm. when our influence and our power is different at different times. And different, what I was finding is sometimes we wanted to talk to the black gay girls. There was only one, me, or mm. sometimes we wanted to talk to, you know, the indigenous two-spirit person, of which no one knew anybody. So then let's pull our role that for the marketable indigenous so this continues, but there was never a space for an entire community to just speak for themselves, as opposed to this sort of delegation of representatives. Um, and, and so I felt like I just wanted to move from a place of healing. I mean, we know that activists have burnout. We know that movements sometimes can 
completely dissolved with Black Panther Party and so many others. Um, but we don't really look at what role healing and trauma play into those, those, the building of that power or even the dissolution of it. Mm. And so that's just been my interest. I've been through billion marches. And you know, when you do political strategy work, um, you reach a certain point in time where there's only a set number of strategies that groups are willing to engage in. Mm -hmm. And so you go to a million marches before you get tired of it. You go to, because we know what works and we know what does not work. Right. And, and, and so in 2016, when we've done a lot of what does not work, I made a decision to have conversations with impacted communities and give skills back to impacted communities so that they're in these spaces being clear about what works, and not just what works, what they want for their community. You you referenced um, the 60s and what was going on in D.C. in the 60s, and we teach an entire workshop about how you know, we don't need to mark. We've been with, like, we've, they're organizers from this community. There are people here who were involved actively in social justice work for years before there was a hashtag for it. Mm-hmm. And so this narrative that there are people in D.C., from D.C., of D.C., who who only go to Howard, right? Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. And I can say that because I went to Howard so before all the crisis, surgery and stuff. I can say that. Uh-huh. And service. Um, we really have to look at how are we bridging the gap. And for me, I only saw trauma as the opportunity to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. And not have to self-select what part of me to go into a space in order for us to be able to work together to build sustainable change. So now I'm able to enter the room my whole self. <laughs> and and it, it, it's a breath of fresh air, not just for me, but for so many who don't get that opportunity. And when they engage with our youth and families who've been empowered to do the same, um, most welcome it. Mm-hmm. But for everyone, it's something new that they do have to become familiar with. Interesting, interesting. Um, at we, I work with a a doctor. Um, at work, um, her name is Doctor Tara Doty, and and you know she works with us on you know being a more trauma informed um, staff when dealing with our students. And one of the things she says is that she enters every interaction with the understanding or the belief that everyone has dealt with trauma. Um, and so it's an interesting um, concept to try to like wrap your head around. How do you, how do you, I guess, how do you get yourself to, to kind of deal with people like, like consistently and intentionally deal with people from that standpoint, understanding the importance of it, you know, to bring everybody together when everybody else is not necessarily coming at it from that viewpoint? Well, I think that there's two things that you raised that are very important. One, everybody's not interested in being trauma-informed. And that is that is a heartbreak and a harsh reality that guides this work. Um, You just have to be clear that some folks don't want to hear it. But then the second piece to that is, and and much like uh, the the colleague you just spoke of, you have to recognize that trauma exists. And so every individual being trauma-informed, I almost almost think of the adage of being the bigger person. the moment that you, you are saying, I'm doing this through a trauma-informed lens, you are now saying, I've got to be the biggest person. And sometimes that means I have to be the biggest mouth in the room. Sometimes that means I have to be the biggest.
his absence in the room because not being present. Sometimes that means being able to listen. And although the, the first thing you're listening to may not even be speaking to you in, in a way in which you absolutely love, mm -hmm. because right now their trauma is showing up in yelling and anger, you have to understand what your greater purpose is. Trauma-informed work is healing work. It, and it requires you as an individual to want to be committed to continuing to heal and being clear of how often you're going to engage hurt and hurt people and being able to separate the two, right? Mm -hmm. And being clearly communicative about what is your intent and what the impact looks like, because those are also two different things. I think um, there's six guiding principles to trauma-informed work. Um, and one principle in and of itself is trust and trustworthiness altogether, because those are two different things. And so I think it's very important that when we're looking, one, to build trust with someone, we've got to allow them to be who they are. Right. We can't respectability politics them away. We can't so that notion when we've been to it, especially as black people, that bootstrapping is going to be what saves us, it's, it's very hard to find people who are willing to accept that the day Kiki Lolo is coming, but she's coming with full pajamas. Mm -hmm. And what she's got to celebrate is that she showed up. Right. Don't attack her for what she's wearing when she's here. Don't ask her why she don't have no clothes on because she didn't come for that. But acknowledging that her resilience was, I'm not in the bed, and I'm here at program, trying to engage and get the resources that exist for me. Right. That's that. When I go into the meeting, and we got to talk about why the Speaker Foundation will not refuse kids food at all, I don't even know why I'm having that conversation. If you're inside of one school, what do you mean? Right. <laughs> But it's a full conversation. Well, I don't like this young man, or this young man wasn't even supposed to be in the building. Because guess what? Not only did he make it to the building, he made it all the way to the back class to us, and now he has an interest in getting his community service out. Why don't you talk to him while he's in here about what the expectations are for tomorrow? And thank him for where he is at this moment right now. But you don't know that he takes care of his siblings. That's why you didn't feel that. Mm. We know that because we've made space to have that conversation. So we really allow for entities who don't have the space to have these trauma and schools don't have, don't let these social workers or these mental health professionals that they're telling you are in these schools make you feel like your child is getting the most comprehensive services that they deserve. That's not the case. It's not. And so we come in to complement what exists, to support the, the family and strength-based practices that are accessible to them. Mm -hmm. You can't pass a worksheet to a mother that can't read and then say you, you, you told her how to change a diaper. She can't read. Right. She can't read. Mm. Did you give her a diaper? Because you told her how to change a diaper and there's no clean diapers in the house. Yes, the baby is still going to be sick. Yes, the baby is still going to be in a dirty diaper because there aren't any more. And writing that in a grant isn't, it doesn't always, it, it doesn't read well to very affluent people who read these things. 
They don't know what a food desert is. Interesting. Yeah, we've never, we've been around since 2012. We've never gotten a dollar from the D.C. government or the federal government, the trauma-informed work. Yet, the mayor appointed a, a deputy director of social-emotional learning. So that means that somewhere across the line, someone's acknowledging trauma-informed work needs to happen. Uh, a mandate was put out last year that all these CPS teachers have to have mental health first aid uh, training. Mm-hmm. Our staff has mental health first aid training, amongst other things. And to date, all of those students have yet to have that training. So just please explain to me why we're dealing with schools citywide who have asked us, please come do your services here, but we don't have the resources to do it. Right. Why? Why are we arguing with groups? And I'm just, I'm just gonna be honest with you. If, if you weren't locked up with, related to, or sleeping with someone in the administration, you, you're not gonna get what you need from the community, and that's unfortunate. The, I, I, there's just so many sides to that. I don't think people. Like if you're not like in the work, I don't think people really know the seriousness of things, and I don't. I think people kind of hear, you know, you 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 hear here there that you know this was done or that was done, but you really don't see any results of efforts, and people don't really know that. You know, a lot of times you're getting a lot of lip service, and behind the scenes things right. are different, and it's you get a lot of lip service, and a lot of a lot of folks seem to think that this presence on social media is equate to like real outcome. Well, here's the deal. When, when, first of all, we are really doing trauma-informed work more times than not. Kids don't want their business or their parents. They don't want their business all over the internet. We'll start there. Number two, it's not trauma-informed to plaster your business all over the internet. Exactly. Three, how are you doing the program and holding up the camera? all over the internet. Uh, just, just execution questions. And we've had people tell us straight up, well, oh, you should just, you know, you should just leave the camera up and, and just have it on. No, no, because part of the principle of trauma-informed work is the trust and trustworthiness. Exactly. My families know if they ask me don't go to this weekend because they don't want to keep the foundation there, I'm not going to go. If they ask me to go and say these three things because they can't say it because they don't want their child to get put out, I will be saying A, B, C, D, because these are going to be the answer. What's the answer? What is the answer? Not just asking the questions, but making sure we follow. And that's what support looks like. It doesn't look like, oh, I feel like I went to Howard, and I feel like I'm well-traveled, and I feel like, you know, I, I, I know more than you, so let me prescribe what your family needs. It looks like we're working together. I'm working with you, not for you. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about experiences I don't have, but we're talking together. So what, in all of this, um, what, what do you see as, as the biggest challenge for our youth in, in all of this? Because, you know, as we, we, we've, we've seen a lot. We are. We've seen a lot. We are. <laughs> we are the biggest challenge for our youth. By we, you mean sitting, adults? When, when I'm sitting in rooms, we as black, when you're, when you're talking about our youth, you're talking about black youth, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we as black adults, sitting at our break table, and at our, at our events 
interesting but it's it's like that's supposed to be the natural progression and if you don't always believe that then then something is is wrong and something is somehow off somehow by society standards and it's like but we have all of these examples where that's just not the case and so we have this reality that is and then this reality that we're pushing so it's like what what's the, yeah i'm with you on that one. i understand that completely yeah. um yeah. we have kids who are confident the, the, the child who creates a Facebook is confident. They don't sit in front of the computer and hear their parents tell them how they never going to be nothing and do too. That's what we hear. <laughs> Why are you trying to sing that song? Because you know you got to say it. They don't hear that. Right. And then they go on to be divorced. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah. What has been your proudest moment in the work you've done so far? Oh, I can't name just one, but I'll name the most recent. Yeah, okay, that's um, fine. Give me the most recent. The most recent would be we have a student leader who has gotten accepted to a full ride for Rutgers University yes. for her PhD. Full ride yes. for her PhD. So one, and I'm old, so let's just get that. That's just stuff like that reminds you how old you are. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and two, the work work, right? Being able, and just in the same week we had another year, you got into Norfolk State. Okay. So, yes. these young people being able to see 
it's not just Miss Ayana, or it's not just Miss Anne, or it's not just folks in the community who are, you know, pouring into them, but when they pour into themselves. Yes. When that fear for fear support. You know, being able to see a girl who's just a little bit older than you. And then, you know, sometimes she don't got on a full face makeup. It's just that dark. You know, right. you like, hey, why y'all have on lashes? Because where I work, <laughs> <laughs> it's no stage for those who can put on lashes because we've had some who, where they work at, you know, the bartend or the big cocktail waitress, they have to give you a full face to make four so they're able to pay their bills. But again, those conversations are not had with me that had in our work DC program. Mm-hmm. Like these youth are able to see what they want to be. Nice. And so when they ask about, what about that girl who worked at the cupcake place who go to Howard? Like every time she came to volunteer, she bought some cupcakes. But I thought I remember her. Where's the cupcake girl? Going to get her doctorate for the free? Yes. For the free. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so that's, and, and some people say, well, that's not your moment. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because you don't know. You don't know what it took for folks to feel encouraged to go to class another day. Right. Or, you know, right. how many prayers or, or how many words of encouragement because you can't have your business all over the internet and it's still a All of those things matter. Right. All right. All right. Um, one last um, formalized question. Um Ayana, what do you want your legacy to be? The work. If they never know my name, I just want them to know the work. Oh, right. And I'm fine with that. Oh, right. And the way it's been shaping up, the work starts. That's all, that's all I have to say. And I know that that might sound crazy. And I know in a society that likes smooth with how many likes you have and all, just all kinds of crazy stuff, the work work and I can look at legislation and I can look at communities and I can look at people and I can look at whole organizations that their entire profile and their entire ability to engage in social justice and really sustainable social change was influenced by my presence in the state and so I appreciate that and was influenced by youth and families presence in the state that we were able to make happen because they didn't always get the invitation. It wasn't in the mail, all flowers. Sometimes they had to get to do that. And so, you know, coming in peace, but definitely meaning business, I, I, I appreciate and will always look for the work to be the legacy. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. We're going to move into our um, less formalized <laughs> portion of the conversation. I need from you five numbers between one and sixty-nine. Nine. Mhm. Sixty-nine. Uh, um, eight. Mhm. Twenty-three. How many numbers are you need? One more. Okay. Um, sixteen. All right, and then give me one number between one and twenty-six. Nine. Nine. Okay. Yeah. All right, so this first round, number eight. What food could you not live without? Mm. Child, I'm a fat girl. <laughs> um, I'm going to just go with recent. I'm going to go with recent. Soul rolls have really just left in my heart right now. 
Um, soul, soul rose. rose have collard greens in them. Okay. And they're like egg rolls, but they have soul food inside the egg roll. Okay. Yes, uh, soul rose. Soul rose. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, then that might be the same for this question. Your question number nine was, what is your go-to junk food? Ooh, my go-to junk food is Jenny's almond brown butter almond brittle. And it's the only ice cream I eat. Mm. And I drove all the way to 14th Street. But <laughs> Black Jesus is so good. Now it's in the grocery store. Hey! And it was a sale. Sorry. Yes, sorry. Anyway, yes. Virginia. <laughs> it's splendid. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to have to try some of this. All right. Uh, oh, 16. What is your favorite what? genre of literature? Historical fiction. Hmm. Mm. I wrote a play, Historical Fiction. It's going to be in the um, Black Theater Festival on June 29th at 7 o'clock here. June so, 29th. So you can get tickets to learn about that. www.bellinjustinbulldagger.com. All right. It's Southern. You know, you got to say Bell and Bulldagger. You know, that's what <laughs> All right, now. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, 23. If you wrote a book, what would it be titled? Look at me. I did. It's called Successfully Single, Confessions of a Professional Dater. Mm. Um, it's an adult coloring book. Y'all can get it. Yes. All the proceeds go to the Future Foundation. And it talks about, like, real-life people I dated. No, it doesn't say their name. They can't see me. But they know it's talk about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love the book. People who have read the book like the book. And actually, I'm going to do an anthology to the book called Successfully Single 2, which is where folks can submit their own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, like Doom and Dread, because everyone always responds to me with like, girl, let me tell you what happened to me. So I feel like it needs to exist. Okay. But I'm married now, so I really think writing that book helps to like bring me more same dating options. Ooh, let, let me know when the, when the submission window is open. Listen, I'm I'm seriously I'm I'm doing to do it. I'm gonna do it probably this summer. After this play wraps up, I'm gonna open it up. Right. But you know, everybody right. will have their stories from summer going to ride. This fall will be something so it's gonna be very right or very wrong. <laughs> I'm your life. <laughs> well I can't wait. Uh-huh. All right. Uh sixty nine. What physical activity relaxes you the most? Bad. Oh, okay. All right. Nice and simple. But the best is gotta be clean. Some of y'all is guilty. You don't get ring No, because it's not that. Mm-mm. That meal doing I got you. 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 I was like one of the only black people who worked here. So I felt proud being one of the only black people 
But walking, walking door to door in the rain, knocking on people's door, asking them for money, and check themselves. Mm. Yo, I cry. Oh. I cry. Mm. <laughs> I cry. <laughs> Cause all those other stuff we could have did with that money. Like I was asking for money to fight in Toronto, mm. and I knew hungry people like in real life, like that day. Sorry, y'all. You just took me back, okay? <laughs> that's, that's okay. Well, all right. Well, well, thank you very, very, very much. I appreciate your time, your efforts, everything you do. And I appreciate your support appreciate in this endeavor. You. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's amazing. Well, all right. Well, uh, I'll uh, be on the lookout and be uh, following what you do. And uh, is there any, any anything, any last-minute plugs you want to get in before we go? Um, yes, there's social media matters. No matter what you're doing in your real life, they tell me. So please follow me at I am simply Mary. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. I want to thank Ayana for joining us this week. Please support the Future Foundation and her other endeavors in any way you can. As she says, support is free. Indeed, it is. All right. This week's independent practice or food for thought. You know, I had an entire piece written up for the independent practice talking about how we've all experienced trauma and need to take a more trauma-informed approach in personal and interpersonal interactions. How the universe responds to our energy. You know, some real deep, serious shit. But it felt heavy. I know trauma is heavy. I mean, but the words felt heavy. You know, in my head and as I typed them and reading them on the screen. And, you know, I just thought, you know, that's not what this interview was about. You know, yeah. Ayana practices a trauma-informed approach. Um, you know, that's what her work is about. But, but this interview wasn't about trauma at all. You know, this interview was about, you know, survival. You know, but but not not you know the negative things that you think about survival. You know, not the struggle and not about after when the memories of the struggle are flooding your mind. You know, but it's about the making it. You know, the winning. The, you know, the the that particular moment, the moment. You know, you win, you make it, you overcome. You know, you get through. You know, it's about you at that point in time and and how different you are, no matter how slight. It's not that the before and after are meaningless. It's just about remembering what that moment meant and how it felt. And doing your damnedest and working your hardest to provide opportunities for others to experience those moments. How they do the same. So on and so on. At least that's what I got out of it, you know. If you listen and you got something different, you know, so be it. Whatever you got, you know, I just hope that you know, do something about it. Or use it as motivation to continue doing what you've already been doing. So I'll just leave that right there. All right, let's take a break. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. As it is the fifth month, here are this week's five mental health awareness tips. One, 
Have a self-care toolkit of items and activities that make you feel good. Two, do what makes you confident, then work on your potential areas of growth. Three, write a personal appreciation to yourself every day. Four, journal about what you're grateful for. And five, do something creative that you want to do, even if you don't consider yourself a creative person. Feel free to use, not use, adapt, or share each tip as you see fit. I ain't make them up. I'm just sharing. All right. Let's start closing this week out. As we remain fluid in this podcasting endeavor, I felt a little something different in my spirit. So your new homework for this and every week is hashtag build the table. What spaces are you entering? Who are you showing up for? Who are you showing up as? And what are you going to do? Now, tell me about it. Again, as an educator, I have an open door policy. So, get at me online at www.blatantfrankism.com. That's www.blatantfrankism.com. On email at bfrankism at gmail.com. That's the letter B. F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at bfrankism that's the letter B F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M as for the Powerball we didn't win last week but we'll keep playing today's Powerball numbers are 8, 9, 15 23, 69 and the Powerball is 9 if you win, pay it forward or put it back into the community I want to thank my sponsor, Crafty Nubian Sister. If you have some paraphernalia that you'd like to get personalized, you know you have an event coming up, or if you just have a group of people you want to have something special made for, something that you all can bond with, I want you to reach out to Crafty Nubian Sister on Facebook. That's C-R-A-F-T-E-E-N-U-B-I-A-N-S-I-S-T-A-H. Crafty Nubian Sister. So... Today and always, don't forget to check on somebody. And if you need somebody to check on you, let them know. All right, that's it for this week. Get at me.